Welcome to A Well-Cared-For Human, the podcast that tries to convince you that you are 100% normal and an even better than okay example of the human species, despite the fact that sometimes we feel like the craziest, most incapable, or worthless creatures on the face of this planet. I'm Corey, an author, a creative, and the host of the show. Whatever you're bringing to the table today, I hope this episode proves to be a dose of inspiration for you on your quest to become a well-cared-for human. You can find the episode show notes, your free wellness blueprint, and more at awellcaredforhuman.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Hello, humans. It's your host, Corey, and today we're going to talk about moving from survival mode to thriving mode. And thriving is a word that I hear thrown around a lot, especially in those wellness guru spaces, but I've yet to hear anyone give me a satisfactory answer as to what exactly thriving is. I usually hear something like, it's living your best life, (laughs) but that doesn't really do it for me. That seems very vague. What is a best life? A best life can be different for everyone. And on top of that, I want to know what's interfering with my ability to thrive and why I have such a hard time moving from survival mode to thriving mode. And so these might be some of the questions that you have too, if you are coming out of a difficult background or a difficult situation, and you're trying to move your well-being into a more sustainable space, into a healthier space. But that said, I'm trying to be mindful of the fact that I like to keep these episodes no longer than 20 or 30 minutes so that I don't give people any excuse not to listen to them. (laughs) So they're not feeling too busy to listen to these subjects. So I won't be able to do a deep dive on this, but I do hope that by the end of this episode, you will definitely have a better sense of the difference between survival mode and thriving mode, and also what obstacles might be keeping you from moving from one space to the other. And of course, some tips thrown in about how you can navigate that transition. First off, what is thriving? In the context of mental health and well-being, the word thriving refers to a state of flourishing, of optimal functioning in various aspects of your life, in your emotional well-being, your mental well-being, and it signifies a positive and proactive state of mental health. So it's more than just trying to get rid of your anxiety or your depression or any kind of mental struggle you might be going through. And it's more about operating from a place of positive mental health, proactive mental health in a way that is sustainable. And so when someone describes thriving in the terms of mental health and well-being, we're usually talking about someone who is experiencing a high level of overall well-being a high level of resilience, and they feel pretty vital in their day-to-day life. They are experiencing vitality, which many of us who are struggling are not experiencing. (laughs) We are not experiencing vitality. When I think of things like a sense of fulfillment, a sense of purpose, satisfaction with my life, my ability to cope with challenges, my ability to maintain positive relationships with other people, and even having the room to pursue my personal growth, All of that would be considered thriving. And there are some key characteristics that thriving people typically display. They have the emotional well-being, which we talked on, which is a generally positive attitude towards challenge, towards circumstances, an ability to experience a wide range of positive emotions, not just the negative ones. But if they do have negative emotions or stress, they're able to manage it well. There's also a prevalence of self-awareness and self-acceptance. 
So a thriving individual might have a deep understanding of why they feel the way they feel, why they think the way they think, why they do what they do. They're pretty in touch with themselves as people, with their strengths and their weaknesses, and they've grown to accept themselves for who they are. And this is probably a sticking point for most of us, right? At least for me, I think that was one of the last pieces that I really wrestled with and still wrestle with from time to time. Thriving people also tend to have positive relationships, meaningful, supportive connections with other people, whether that be friends or family or a social network. They can establish and maintain healthy boundaries, which is something that definitely, when I was coming out of my trauma, I did not even comprehend what a boundary was, let alone how to create one and enforce one. There's also a sense of purpose and meaning that has been developed over time, and this could be either a sense of direction with one's life or a clarity about goals and values. It doesn't have to be grandiose. I know when we use the word purpose, it makes it sound like purpose, like a grand <laughs> scheme or something that you have to, to pursue. But I'm not talking about the Avengers here or some universal level of grand purpose. I'm just saying the way that we find meaning in our day-to-day -day activities, the way that we feel connected to ourselves and other people. And that's on top of the physical well-being that we all need, our ability to take care of ourselves, our ability to exercise and eat healthy and sleep enough, and all these other self-care practices that I've been going on and on about for 60-something episodes <laughs> at this point. Recognizing the connection between physical and mental well-being, the connection between the body care pillar and the emotional mental wellness pillar. And as you can imagine, operating from the space of mental and emotional well-being is very different than operating from survival mode. And when I say survival mode, I'm talking about a stage or state in someone's life when they have to primarily focus on basic survival and just coping with whatever is happening to them, whether that's challenges or threats, whatever the difficulty might be. And being in survival mode creates this state of heightened alertness, of reactivity, and that's in response to the significant stress or trauma or overwhelming circumstances that they're dealing with. When someone is in survival mode, their mental and emotional resources are directed entirely at meeting their most essential needs, managing the immediate crisis at hand. All those years that I was navigating my mother's mental illness, all the times that she would disappear or she would turn up and she would be, you know, beat up black and blue or she would drink too much or she would do drugs or put us in dangerous situations. I was in survival mode for all of that. But I was also in survival mode with my dad. So even though my dad's physical environment was much more stable and calmer than my mother's, meaning that you know, I got sent to school at the same time every day. I was fed meals at the same time every day. There was still an emotional and mental assault on my person at almost all times because of how critical he was, how verbally and mentally, emotionally abusive he was. So your survival mode can be triggered by either physical circumstances, like what I was dealing with with my mom, in which there is real danger in the vicinity. <laughs> you know, like you have to actually physically protect yourself at all times. You're navigating chaos in the 3D world. But then there can also be survival mode that's triggered by emotional and mental assault when you've got someone who's very manipulative, someone who's very controlling, who's very reactive, who punishes you for certain emotional reactions. 
And so however survival mode has been triggered for a person, it's going to be different for everyone. Regardless, one of the things that they have in common is that survival mode is not a growth space. It is a battle zone. So my little brain was learning how to survive in an environment that was very unhealthy, very triggering. I adapted really piecemeal coping strategies, unhealthy coping strategies, in order to navigate that situation depending on which parent was holding me hostage (laughs) at the time. (laughs) Some of the negative coping strategies that can crop up when you're in survival mode might be hyperarousal. So this is increased vigilance, always scanning the environment for a potential threat, a state of constant alertness. And that could have all kinds of negative effects on us. It could be difficulty sleeping. It could be an exaggerated startle response. Basically, anything that makes us feel like we can't relax, we always need to be on and surveying the situation. The opposite of that is emotional numbness, which is an emotional detachment or a blunting of emotions in order to protect ourselves, to shield ourselves from overwhelming feelings. But the difficulty with emotional numbness is that it also reduces our ability to experience joy, experience connection, and other positive emotions. Our stress responses usually heightened because we're always in fight or flight mode. We're always responding to something. And so stress hormones like cortisol is always being activated and chronically elevated. And that can lead to all kinds of things, physical symptoms in particular, such as headaches, digestive issues. I also knew a girl who would often get muscle cramps, like her muscles would just clamp up all of a sudden, which was really painful. Research has also showed that this barrage of negative experiences can also impact our cognitive capacity. So when we're in survival mode, cognitive functioning can be impaired because we're so focused on just trying to get through the situation. We cannot divert resources to other aspects of our lives. So it's difficult to concentrate. It's difficult to solve problems. It's difficult to make decisions because we're so overwhelmed by this other stuff that we're dealing with. And so the ability to look into the future, to plan something, to think about our personal growth or our well-being or happiness, none of that is possible when we are diverting all of our resources to our immediate survival. How can we envision a future or pursue long-term goals when we're just trying to get through the hellscape (laughs) of a day, right? It's just not possible. No one can do all of that at one time. And so all those mental and emotional resources are being devoted to managing present challenges. And there's no energy left for thinking about the future or for growing. And for a long time, I would give myself a really hard time about the fact that I couldn't do it all at once. Like, why can't I survive my present circumstances and outline my future empire at the same time? But it's just not possible. That's an unrealistic expectation because... Survival mode is a natural and adaptive response to acute and chronic stress, to trauma, to life-threatening situations. The problem lies in the fact that survival mode is only meant to be a short-term experience, a short-term coping mechanism that helps us navigate that particular moment. But so many of us who have dealt with long-term traumas or difficult family situations or maybe an abusive marriage or whatever it might be that you came up against, if a person stays in survival mode for an extended period of time, it has long-lasting negative effects on their well-being and their ability to function. And that's further complicated by the fact that when someone, someone like me, does the hard work 
of breaking all the habits, getting out of the toxic environment, learning new coping strategies, better coping strategies, everything I could possibly do to take control of my mental health and to rebuild my relationship with myself, I still struggled to move from surviving to thriving mode because there was this part of me that simply could not believe that I had escaped the dangerous situation. And that's often the case, right? We work so hard, we do everything we can possibly do to make our lives better. And then we get there and our brain just will not let go. We're just absolutely convinced that everything is going to fall apart again. We're going to find ourselves in the same terrible situation. It's just any minute now. (laughs) Any minute now, something bad's going to happen. And that's kind of the worst part of chronic stress is because we come to believe that it will always be like that. That no matter what we do, no matter how hard we work, we're going to be stuck in that way. We're going to continue to experience terrible things like that. But the good news is, is that that is a self-limiting belief that keeps you stuck in survival mode. And why is that good news? Because it means that it's just an assumption that you're never going to get out of it. And because it's an assumption, it's not true. One of the biggest, most detrimental self-beliefs for me, or something that kept me stuck in survival mode for longer than I needed to actually be in it, was my doubt. I was absolutely crippled by doubt. For example, any time that I found myself in a healthy situation or I met a healthy, well-adjusted person or hell, I got something right in my life, my brain would swoop in and be like, did you though? Are you sure? Are you sure you're reading the situation right? Are you sure it's not just going to fall apart on you? Or are you sure this person isn't going to do a 180 and just totally change who they are? Are you sure? And this was the biggest hindrance to me thriving because my brain simply could not accept the possibility that I was not where I had been for all those years and that it was actually time to turn off survival mode. I just couldn't believe it (laughs) in my mind or my body or my soul. I just could not believe that now we could turn off survival mode, that the time had come. And it's true that doubt has its place in moderation, right? Doubt can be useful. It can push us to get more information about a situation or it can come from a place of critical thinking or open-mindedness. It can help us have a sense of healthy skepticism where we seek more evidence before we just believe something that someone says outright or before we make hasty decisions. But I am not talking about healthy doubt. I'm talking about the kind of doubt that says, Corey, do you really think that you can get out of this? Or more specifically, a doubt that I often come across is, Corey, do you really think you can write this book? That comes up every time I try to do a new writing project. And to that doubt, I can say, well, you know, I've written 29 books so far, so... (laughs) logic says that I can probably write this one. And so I'm talking about the sort of doubt that is irrational. It's not meant to keep us safe anymore. And that's really the biggest part to understand here is that in the beginning, if you were in a difficult situation, if you were in survival mode for a very legitimate reason, which of course you were, then yes, of course, doubt was very useful. Doubt was very helpful. It worked to keep you safe. But When we're no longer in those situations and we no longer need our doubt, then it turns inward. Then it becomes problematic. It begins to destroy healthy parts of our mental well-being and emotional well-being. And so my biggest tip for moving from survival state to a thriving state is that you have to start saying no to your doubts. If you've done everything that you can possibly do to shape your life, if you find that you have moved from the difficult situation you were in and now you're in a better, healthier space, but you're still struggling to turn off survival mode and move into thriving mode, you're going to have to 
tell your doubt no. Set a firm boundary with the doubt that you're experiencing. When it shows up and it starts questioning your hopes and dreams and your hard work and whether or not you're really okay, when that little voice in your head starts going off and running its mouth, you have to say no. You can say it however you like. No. Get out of here with that. Shut up. Be gone. (laughs) It doesn't matter how you say no. You just need to say no as much as you can. Because yes, while it's important to have self-compassion for yourself, to understand that the reason why you've still got these doubts, the reason why you feel the way that you feel is because you went through something difficult, something challenging, and you needed that sort of voice to help you navigate it. You needed a reason to push through, to take good care of yourself, to be cautious. But you're not there anymore. And so now it's a hindrance. It's not a help. So you're going to have to break up with your doubt. (laughs) Break up with your self-doubt. Say no over and over again as many times and in as many ways as you've got to until that voice gets so weak and small that it no longer has the power over you that it did in the past. Because that's a core piece of it. Thriving means breaking up with your self-doubt. And again, there's a possibility here that we could be too hard on ourselves. That we could be like, gosh, why are you like that? Why can't you just thrive? (laughs) Why can't you just let the past go? And that's where we can bring in some self-compassion to continue to remind ourselves that in the past, when we were in survival mode, that doubt kept us safe. You know, it kept us cautious. And so that's why we came to believe that we needed doubt in order to survive. We needed doubt to be safe. But that's just not true anymore. You do not need doubt to survive. And so if you want to thrive, then it's time to break up with your self-doubt. You're the only one who can give yourself that new beginning. And that's it for today, dear human. As always, I hope you found this episode useful. And if you would like to write into the show and ask for my thoughts on something that you're dealing with, I would love to hear from you. You can contact me through any of my social media or through email. Otherwise, I will be back next week with another episode of A Well-Cared-For Human. And until then, please take good care of you. This episode of A Well-Cared-For Human was written and produced by me, Corey Marie. The music was by Late Night Feeler and Esther Abrami. If you like what I'm doing here, please consider visiting my Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you get early ad-free access to the episodes, as well as a monthly patrons-only Q&A, bonus videos, and more. Not to mention that your Patreon support lets me know that you find value in the show and want it to continue. You can find me on Patreon by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash Marie. If you can't support the show financially, that is okay. You can still subscribe to the show, leave a review of the show, and recommend the show to your friends, not just the neurotic ones. All of this helps so much. And as always, thank you for listening.